0: and uh, that you'll fall more in love with God, more in love with His Word, and more in love with people. If you have your Bible, turn with me to Hebrews chapter 4 this morning. And uh, a little bit of a different message, but I pray that the Lord will bless it and that uh, you'll be encouraged, but also challenged. It is, uh, it's a blessing to see each and every one of you. I look out and I see uh, Charles and Nancy Brown. It is so good to see them. And praise the Lord, it's good to see them back in the Lord's house. And, uh, you know, the Lord uh, does a lot of different things in our lives. And uh, I want us to look at two verses of Scripture this morning and then kind of take off in a little bit of a different direction and we'll see, see what the Lord does this morning. But let's read. Look with me, beginning in verse number 12. It's up, By the way, it's on page 775. If you're still looking for Hebrews chapter 4... Why are you looking at me? 775. All right. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse number 12. And the Bible says, For the word of God, for the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Verse number 13, neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, watch this, but all things, but all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Interesting couple of verses of scripture. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the opportunity to be in your house. And God, I pray that for the next few moments of time, God, that you'll encourage our hearts that you will bless as only you can, that as your word goes forth, Lord, that you might have your will and your way today. God, we know that your word will accomplish exactly what you have desired. And so, Lord, we take comfort in that. Lord, I pray that if there's somebody in this room, somebody watching, that has yet to enter into the greatest relationship of all, a relationship with your son, Jesus God, I pray that you would open up the eyes of their understanding, God, that you would soften their hearts, God, that today might be the day of salvation. Lord, I pray for those of us who have called upon the name of the Lord, who have a relationship with you through Jesus. Lord, maybe there's some who are here or watching who have strayed, and Lord, they need to really rekindle that relationship. Lord, I pray that you would work in their heart as well today. Lord, I pray that you'll be with the Seely family, God, during this season of loss. As we had the opportunity to gather together for encouragement and to be comforted from your word and from your spirit yesterday. And Lord, we're thankful for those that trusted Christ. But Lord, I know that today is a new day and the family is still hurting. And so Lord, I pray that you would comfort them today. I pray that you'll be with Lisa's family God, with the homegoing of her grandmother, God, that you would comfort them today. And God, as the plans and preparations are made, I pray that you'll have the opportunity, Lord, uh, God, that we'll see souls saved. Lord, I pray for our mission team as their hearts are ready and they're prepared to go to Alabama. Lord, I pray that you would go before them. God, that you would keep them safe as we have time here in a little while. We'll remember them again in prayer. Lord, uh, we're thankful for the willingness of these these men to go on this uh, missions trip. Lord, we're thankful for those that have joined us today. Lord, I pray that you'll again have your will in your way and we'll give you the praise and the honor for all that you will do. And we give you this praise in the precious and powerful name of your son, Jesus, and for his sake, amen and amen. Well, it is good to be in the house of the Lord. And before I get started, I do have to say this, in case you're wondering my attire today, you know that I'm not a North Carolina fan. But uh, I'm wearing this North Carolina-ish, Roy Williams-ish blazer uh, for Michaela today. Uh, Yesterday at her birthday party, she said if UNC won, that I needed to wear my, quote, Roy Williams blazer. And so, Michaela, your wish has been my privilege and command today. All right, now that we've got that out of the way, it was back in 1937. As you see the title behind me, Mirror, Mirror on the Wall... It was back in 1937, that Disney classic, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, The Evil Queen. If you remember the movie, or maybe you've never seen the movie, the reality is the Evil Queen in this fairy tale, so to speak, she summons her magic mirror. And uh, she asked probably one of the most famous questions of all time in these uh, animated movies. And as she's looking at the mirror, she says, Mirror, mirror, on the wall, who... Is the fairest one of all? And uh, let's just say she gets a little out of sorts with her mirror when the mirror reveals that the fairest one of all is not her anymore. You see, uh, the fairest one was none other than Snow White. And so then begins this tale of Snow White and the battle between the evil queen and her. But I thought about this phrase. I don't know why this phrase came to mind. I guess it's because I'm getting older. And every day I look in the mirror and I ain't what I used to be. I find myself now holding a handheld mirror to look at the back of my head. I never had a fascination with the back of my head. But now that I am a member of AARP, I guess that comes with the territory. And so, for whatever reason, this phrase came up mirror, mirror on the wall. And I was like, when I said it quietly unto myself, I said, Oh boy, you're in trouble. Mirror, mirror on the wall. But what about us? Because I want to flip the script to spiritually speaking. What about us? What is it that we see, spiritually speaking, when we look at the mirror on the wall? And whether we utter those words or whether we think those words, what goes on in our heart and mind when we look and we say, mirror, mirror on the wall, what is it that we see? Because I'm thinking about in Scripture, and I know that spiritually before salvation, the Bible reminds us uh, in Ephesians chapter 2. In fact, I would encourage you to look at that because there's a great passage there right off the bat from verses 1 and following Ephesians chapter 2. It talks about the things that we were before salvation. In fact, verse number 1 says we were dead in our trespasses and sin. Verse number 2 reminds us, hey, I got some good news. We were children of disobedience. I mean, these are fun-filled facts. I mean... Uh, verse number three says that we fulfilled the desires of our flesh and our mind and by nature we were children of wrath and if you drop all the way down to verse number 12 the Bible says that we were strangers from the covenants of promise having watch this having no hope and without God in the world but I love verse number four Because verse number 4, even though verse number 12 reminds us that we were without hope, verse number 4 reminds us that even before salvation, here's the beautiful thing. It says, but God who is rich in mercy. Somebody say mercy. Aren't you thankful for Jesus' mercy? I'm thankful His mercy is new every morning. And God, who is rich in mercy, He loved us and He proved His love. He commended, He proved His love to us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's an incredible promise of Scripture. We were ungodly. Romans 5 says that we were actually ungodly. We were at war with God. And God said, here's how much I love you. I know that there's separation, but here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to provide a way to close the gap. And I'm going to send my son. The good news of the gospel decrees in Romans ten thirteen that salvation comes to everyone, to all who call upon the name of the Lord. And so this is actually where belief or faith begins, the repentance and confession. They all come together. And I just have to say, what a mighty God we serve. That God does all the work. All I have to do is believe it. All I have to do is believe it, take a step of faith, right? And when I understand that I'm headed in the wrong direction, I say, oh, I could have had a V8. No, I say, God, thank you so much for loving me and for dying for my sin. And here's what I'm going to do. I turn and I say, yes, Lord, yes, to your will and to your way. And I receive the greatest gift of all. Oh, what a Savior What a Savior. And so before salvation, there was a lot of things going on. But after salvation, 2 Corinthians 5 and verse number 17 says that old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. So mirror, mirror on the wall. Who is the saved? We can look and we can rejoice in our salvation. When we look in our spiritual mirror, so to speak, after Jesus comes in. But the reality is God's desire, after we receive Christ, His desire is that we don't live like we used to live. He saved us from these things. He died in our place to pay the price for our sinfulness. And His desire is that if we're going to turn from that sin, that we just don't keep turning around and going back to it. That we don't just continue to live in sin. In fact, Romans 6 reminds us, should we continue to sin uh, uh, so that God's grace could abound? And the answer is God forbid. And so there's, there's an essence that God has this desire that you and I represent Him well. And in fact, I just said that old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new in verse number 17. But if you continue reading in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and you go down to verse number 20, the Bible points and points to the fact that every follower of Christ has been promoted and given a new title. Ambassador. Ambassador Chuck Sisler. Right there. Right? Ambassador Darren Gazes. We've been given a new title. We've been given a new promotion. And the reality is, I wonder, mirror, mirror, on the wall, how are we doing with our new title and our new position? You see, because not only once Jesus comes in, not only is there a new name written down in glory, but there's a new name and a position given to each and every one of us down here on earth. And we should be representing him well. But the question is, how well are we doing with our new names and our new positions? I think on some level, we all want to believe the best. I always tell people in counseling, here's the reality. A lot of people come to me for counseling and uh, We have a choice. You can either assume the worst or you can believe the best. So husband and wife come for counseling and wife's mad at the husband, husband's mad at the wife and, uh, you know, of course, I try to encourage them biblically, but at the end of the day, I always write this down. I usually write it down on a sticky. I say, you have a choice. You can either A or B. Your choice is either A or B. There's no C, right? A or B, you can either assume the worst about the situation or you can believe the best. And by the way, if you assume the worst, it actually dictates your attitude. If you believe the best, it actually dictates your attitude. It's kind of like, is the glass half full or half empty kind of syndrome. And so the reality is, I know that we believe the best about ourselves, but this morning I want us to consider really quickly, what is it that we see when we look in the spiritual mirror of our lives? Not physically like the Queen, but spiritually as ambassadors. Because here's the reality. Just as I found myself gazing into the mirror this morning, trying to make all of this look good. Physically. I also have to take a gaze in the spiritual mirror every day and ask myself, how am I doing today? How's my walk with Jesus? How's, how's my, daily, uh, my, my daily devotional time? How's my prayer life? How is my uh, devotional life? How is my life at telling people about Jesus? We have to take an account of these things because here's the reality. Just as this morning when I looked in that mirror, that mirror doesn't lie. It doesn't lie. I can put the creams and the lotions on. I can put a little stinky on. I can do all these things. But the mirror doesn't lie. And the reality is, spiritually speaking, watch what I'm about to do. The mirror doesn't lie. That's why we go to Hebrews chapter 4. As unbelievable as it may seem, we actually are living in a day and age in which many people have become really hard-hearted. I mean, have you ever met anybody that's hard? You're like, man, their skin's not just hard, their heart is hard. It's just real tough to get to these people. But guess what? We have to be careful because we're living in this day and age as well. And we have to be careful of becoming hard. And interestingly enough, God's Word reveals that God knew all about this situation Because I find that through Paul and through the pen in his hand, the Holy Spirit working in his life, God, the Spirit of God warns Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 4, he warns him. He says, Listen, hey, bro, you got to preach the word while you can. You got to continue. You got to be instant in season. You got to do what you can while you can because there's coming a day when people will not endure sound doctrine or teaching, but there's coming a day. Watch this. There's coming a day when people will turn away from the truth. Why? Because, having, because they have itchy ears. They want to hear feel good, fancy, free. I'm not a sinner. Jesus loves me. This I know for the Bible tells me so. And I have no responsibility. That's not true. We have a lot of responsibility. That's why he gave us the title of ambassador. We are to represent him. And so I feel like it's gotten really quiet in here. Once I asked the question, mirror, mirror on the wall, I thought everybody would be in love with the title. (laughs) The point is, if we're not careful, if we're not careful, we too, like saints of old, can become a part of the crowd, so to speak, who has very quietly decided, watch, To turn our ears away from the truth. And I got news for you. When we turn our ears away from the truth, it's going to have an impact on what that mirror is revealing to us in our lives. Look back with me very quickly. Going to look at verse 12 here. Because our opening verses are really vitally important the first thing I want you to see here in verse number 12, it, it says right away, it says, for the word of God is quick and powerful. So number one, the word of God is living and Powerful. I think about John one and verse number one. The Bible says, "In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was, uh, uh, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God." And so, when we break that down, you look at it. In the beginning was the Word. This is speaking of Jesus. It says, "And the Word was with God." In other words, distinct from the Father. But then you look at the last part of it. it says, "And was the Word of God." It was literally supreme, eternal, and independent. And so I put down in my notes, in the beginning, the Word of God was already a voice that existed. It existed before anything else existed. You say, well, pastor, how can you be so sure? Man, there's a lot of debate, you know, Big Bang Theory and all these other things. How can you be so sure that it existed before? Well, verse 3 follows right up of this same passage. John says in verse number 3, he says, All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. How many people, and we should get a rousing response, I mean, unless you're just weird, okay? How many people like cookies or cake? Mm. How many people want to just shut this message down and run down the hill and get some ice cream, cookies, and cake? Okay, you, you, you're out. Get out. Okay. No. All right. <laughs> All right. Everybody, everybody in agreement? We like cookies, right? Good. Good answer. My mother-in-law likes chocolate chip, just in case you're deciding to make some. Okay. Before you enjoy those cookies, there has to be a baker. And the baker needs an oven. The baker needs chocolate chips. The baker needs a little vanilla extract. The baker baker needs uh, some some uh, cookie dough and, and needs a cookie sheet. Your baker might even need some of that little uh, nonstick spray. Although if you're making chocolate chip cookies, I, I would recommend ungreased cookie sheet. Okay. You say what's what's the deal with the cookies and the cake? Look at verse three. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. There had to be a creator before anything was made that was made. There had to, just like there has to be a baker that puts all the ingredients together to make a cookie or a cake, there had to be a creator God who existed before he decided, you know what? Pooh, I'm gonna do something. In fact, in Colossians chapter 1 and verse number 17. The Bible actually reminds us that Jesus, he is before what things? All. I love the word all. I love Greek scholars too. They're much smarter than me. But you know what all means in the Greek? You know what it means in any language? All. All. Now, I'm going to get five emails. Uh, Pastor, really, uh, I I was doing a study of uh, this language, and all doesn't really mean all in that language. It means all. A lot of times I think we just set out to try and figure. Really, what I think it is is we try to wiggle our way out of problems. We try to figure a way around the truth of God's Word. When we start debating whether all means all. The problem isn't with the pastor. The problem is with what we're seeing in the mirror. The magic mirror. Right? Right? So verse number 14, let me go on. It's living, it's powerful. Verse number 14, John declares, the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and he says, "And we beheld him as of the only-begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And so he's speaking literally about Jesus Christ. And so the Word of God is alive. It breathes, it speaks, it pleads, and it ultimately conquers all sin. It moves, it stirs itself, it lives, it communes with us. Oh, it's an alive. It's alive. Piece of literature for us to read. But it's much more than that. God's word is powerful. It convinces men and women and boys and girls of sin. It's an incorruptible seed. It's full of force leading to holy outcomes. In fact, First Peter, in First Peter chapter 1, verse number 24 and 5, watch what the Bible says. It says, for all flesh, that's us, for all flesh is as grass and all the glory of man as the flower of grass. The grass withers, and the flower thereof falleth away. But watch what it says about the Word of God. This living, powerful Word of God. It says, but the Word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the Word, I love it, and this is the Word which by the gospel is preached unto you. If you are saved today, you ought to be really, really thankful that the Word of God is living and powerful. Man, I know I am. Very, very thankful that it endures forever because that reminds me that my salvation isn't just for here and now, it's for then and there as well. Woo! I get excited. In fact, the other day, I, I, we, were at, uh, we were at IHOP Wednesday night after uh, evening service. By the way, if you're a member of the AARP, let me just encourage you, not that I work for IHOP or anything, um, but it's half price on Wednesday for seniors. If you're younger than 55, good luck, all right? Whatever. Wednesday night, I was thinking about, I was talking about, even during the service, about one day I'm going to go to see Jesus. And when we got to IHOP, I was sharing with Herb and Judy that I had told my wife that when the Lord calls me home, there's a song that I'd love to hear played. And it basically talks about, and I've said this before, so maybe this will remind you. The lyrics of the song say, When the time of my life, when, when the time of my life, when, the, Say it for me, Tom, get me. Yeah, I'm going to have the time of thank you. Get me on track, man, the senior mind, you know. I'm going to have the time of my life when the time of my life is over. And I'm going to get carried away watch it, when I get carried away. Oh, y'all can carry me away and whatever y'all want to throw me in, but I'm going to get carried away when y'all carry me away. You want to know why? Because the word of the Lord endures forever. I'm going to see Jesus. And I hope you are too. Look back in verse 12. It says that God's word is sharp. It says it's sharper than any two-edged sword. By the way, a sword that has two edges has no blunt side. Have you ever seen these these old movies of these guys with the two-edged swords? Man, they're cutting this way and they're cutting this way. It cuts both ways. The Word of God is sharp. It convinces us of our sin as if we needed convincing. But some of us are just hard-headed. You know, nobody had to tell Greg that he was a sinner. This guy already knew he was a sinner. It's like, it's, like, it's like mystery to me. It's like, why, why are you calling me a sinner? Uh, I'm guessing we already knew we were a sinner. I don't need to tell you you're a sinner, and you don't need to tell me I'm a sinner. I already knew it. But the reality is the Word of God cuts both ways. It convinces us of our wrong, and it cuts away all of our impurity and all of our diseases. And while God's Word actually cuts to the heart, it can also be used by our great physician and surgeon, if you please. Anybody in need of a surgeon? I encourage you to get the greatest surgeon of all. His name is Jesus. And His Word not only cuts to the heart, but His Word comforts. His Word binds up wounds. It also serves as a defense system against our enemy. Anybody got some enemies? Everyone in this room has an enemy. He's a roaring lion. He walks about. He hates your family, sir. Ma'am, he hates your kids. That roaring lion's walking about seeking whom he may devour. Mom and dad, I want to tell you to do something. And you're going to think I'm being, being I don't know what you're going to think I'm being. Invest in your kids now. Spiritually. This, this isn't even in the message. I played baseball growing up my whole life. Okay. Now let me, I understand we live in a different day and age. But there wasn't a week that I didn't show up at the baseball field. My dad coached, my dad coached my older brothers, never had the opportunity, I know my dad's watching, he's probably gonna call me later. My dad coached my two older brothers and he coached my third oldest brother and by the time it got to me, he was just wore out. He said, I'm not coaching any more ball. No, that's not true. But here's the reality. All of my brothers and I played baseball. My brothers and I wrestled all through school, all through high school and whatnot. But my dad also made it a priority to make sure I was in the Lord's house. See, it's okay. Listen, I'm, I'm a big fan of sports. You gotta know that. I mean, I'm wearing a stinking light blue blazer for Michaela. I mean... If you know me, you know I cannot stand North Carolina Tar Heels. But ever since I got this thing, by the way, yes, you guys are wondering, why did you buy it? It was on sale. It was 30 bucks. I'm just telling you, man, there was a going out sale and I was like, yeah, I need a blazer. Yeah, I'll take that one. Right? It's the word of God that's living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword that made a difference in my life. I was an angry teenage boy, angry about a lot of things. Angry that my mother had passed away at the age of 10. Angry about a lot of things. But you know what? It's like I tell people all the time. God loved me so much. Not only did he send his son to die for me, he gave me two mamas. What a gift. I love my mom. She loved me and she didn't have to. (laughs) She loved me and she didn't have to. And she loved my dad, and that's a big, tall order. (laughs) I love you, Dad. Verse number 12, look at it with me. It also tells us that God's Word actually pierces and divides. This simply means that the Word of God actually penetrates. It's the instrument used by the Holy Spirit of God to penetrate our sinful hearts of unbelief at time after time. And so the Word of God has this ability. It has an ability to separate our sinful habits that keep us from walking in humble obedience to the Lord. It cuts off ignorance from our understanding. It cuts off rebellion from the will. It cuts off hatred from the mind. There's people walking around today full of hate. I don't have the answer, but Jesus does. That's why we have to be pointing people to Him and His Word. The Word of God cuts out the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and lust of the mind. And when we're willing, and this is the thing, it's pretty important, we have to be willing to walk with the Lord. When we're willing, right? And we're walking in humility, we're walking in obedience, it has the ability to put to death those sins that so easily beset us. That's what Paul was, the writer of Hebrews, was talking about when he said, Run thy race. Be careful of those sins that so easily beset you. Keep looking to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of God the Father. Listen, it's important what we do with God's word. And so what is the mirror saying in your life? The last part of verse 12 says that God's word is also a discerner of our thoughts and intents of the heart. That simply means that this book, <laughs> by the way, this book, will, it's been said, uh, this book will either keep you from sin or sin will keep you from this book. But this book has the ability to reveal and judge some things in our life, so to speak, like a magic mirror. It has the ability to reveal our secret and remote thoughts, our secret and remote plans, our secret and remote desires. In fact, Proverbs 4 and verse 23, the Bible says, Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Now look at that verse again. Keep, that word keep literally means to protect or to maintain. If you're going to protect something, you're going to have to move into action. If I'm going to protect uh, my home, I may uh, uh, put a fence around it. I may put, uh, I may like a castle, I might dig a moat around it so that you can't get there. I might put a security system up. I might do all kinds of things. The same is true when it comes to our heart. What are we doing to protect our heart? What type of maintenance program do we have? It says to keep or to protect our heart with all diligence. And so the picture here, when it says with all diligence, is that of a military man on duty. Do you know, general orders I will walk my post. (laughs) I will not relieve, I will not take a relief from my post, right? I will not quit my post until properly relieved. As we walk our post, Of our heart, are we protecting what is so important? You see, because Scripture declares elsewhere that a backslider in heart shall be filled with his own ways. A merry heart does good like medicine. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Out of the good treasure of the heart, a good man brings forth good things. So when we gaze in the spiritual mirrors, uh, the status of our heart is pretty vital. So what is it that the mirror reveals about your heart. Because as I said Wednesday night, by the way, a little plug for Wednesday night. As I said Wednesday night, when there is error in the heart, there's sure to be error on the lips and in our lives. Honestly, error creeps into the heart. Here's, the fastest way error creeps into the heart is when we listen to everybody else except for God. Air creeps into the heart when we get away from God and his word. It's like, listen, pastor, I was listening to this. And, and by the way, everybody, listen, I, I only have 24 hours in the day. Say, say I have 24 hours in the day. Okay. I can't watch every video, right? But here's the deal. Sometimes we get so carried away with what some person says. But we don't have time for what God says. We have to be careful. And I'm saying this in love because I've been there, done that. We turn on the TV and we think that what somebody is selling us on this channel or that channel is the gospel truth. The only gospel truth is found right here in God's Word. That's the only gospel truth. All these other people, they got an angle. There is an angle. Listen. You can love them or hate them and I love some of them and, and I don't hate anybody. You're like, "Yes, you do." Someone said, uh, I forget what it was. Oh, somebody was saying, "Yeah, we're not supposed to hate, but I'm having a hard time loving this person <laughs> the other night." I was like, I was like, "It's okay. Jesus will get you through. Just keep on loving people." I think about air creeping into the heart. I'm reminded over in Mark chapter 12, it was the Sadducees. By the way, they were sad. You see, my professor at Bible college taught me that. I didn't cost you anything. They were sad, you see, and they presented a ridiculous scenario to Jesus in Mark chapter 12. And I won't go into the story, but it basically is about... In Jewish custom, if a husband dies, then the wife goes to the next brother. Then if that husband dies, the wife goes to the next brother, and then to the next brother, and to the next brother. And so these jokers come to Jesus, and they tell him this story about this woman who has been married to all seven brothers. Pray for that woman. (laughs) And then they turn to Jesus, and they say, Well, whose wife is she going to be in heaven? At the resurrection, whose wife is she going to be? I mean, she's been married to all of them. And so they think they're real smart. They're real smart, wise guys. And Jesus turns to them in verse number 24 of Mark chapter 12, and he says, here's your problem. You err. You err because you do not know the scriptures. And, and furthermore, not only do you not know the scriptures, you don't even know the power of God. The reason error enters into the heart is because we... Lack knowledge of God's word and we lack the power of His word. These days I look around and I see cults flourishing while Christians are floundering simply because we don't know the Word of God. But look at verse number 13 of our text because it says, Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in His sight, but all things are naked and open unto the eyes of Him on whom we have to do. In other words, what this verse is saying is that there is nothing that can be hidden from Him and that all things are naked and exposed before Him. In, in other words, the mirror of His Word reveals the status of our daily walk with Jesus. Now this picture of being laid naked is almost the the picture of an animal being laid on their back, ready for sacrifice, fully exposed. And this is what the writer of Hebrews reminds us. That we are fully exposed and naked before our Creator. It was Albert Barnes in his notes on the Bible. He said this, he said, The design of verse 12 and 13 is obvious. It is to show that we cannot escape the notice of God, that all insincerity, unbelief, hypocrisy will be detected by Him and that since our hearts are perfectly open before Him, we should be sincere and should not attempt to deceive Him. The sense is that the truth of God is all penetrating and searching and that the real thoughts and intents of the heart will be brought to light and that if there is insincerity and self-deception, there can be no hope of escape. Now, the reality is we all love the omnipotence of God, don't we? Now, if you say, what's that? That means that God is all-powerful. We love the omnipotent God. We love the omnipresent God. We love the fact that He's ever-present, able to intercede on our behalf. We love these things, but we're not so fond of the fact that God is omniscient. It's like, man, I serve an omnipotent God. Yeah, you also serve an omniscient God. You say, well, what does that mean? That means He's all-knowing, He's all-seeing. He doesn't need a mirror. He sees us just as we are. While we may be able to fool ourselves, have you ever fooled yourself? I've done that. Fooled myself, thought I was something when I was nothing. While we fool ourselves many times, we fool our families. You ever fooled your family? Come on, be honest with Jesus today. I fooled them. I got them. You ever feel, fooled a coworker or your boss? Yeah, I put in fifty hours this week. Yeah, okay. hand the time card in Diana, 50 hours. No, you, you put in 22 hours, okay? The other 30 were snack breaks. We fool ourselves, we fool our families, we fool our coworkers. We can even fool our neighbors sometimes. But I got good news for you and I got bad news for you. The good news and the bad news are all wrapped up in one. We cannot fool God. He's watching, and He sees. He knows what we think. He knows what we say. He knows what we do behind closed doors. He knows our hidden agendas. He knows our hidden motives. He knows whether we're walking in the Spirit or whether we're walking according to the flesh, and He doesn't need a magic mirror because, uh, like the evil queen did because He knows that our response to His Word tells Him everything He needs to know. Turn with me one last scripture, and then we're going to close. You guys are saying it ain't so. Well, it is so. James chapter 1. James chapter 1. James chapter 1. And then when you get there, look down to verse number 23. Verse number 23. Verse 23, watch what it says. It says, For if any, if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, He is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass or maybe we could insert the word mirror. He is like a man beholding his natural face in a glass for our purposes mirror. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But watch what verse 25 says. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful here, but a doer of the work, this man shall be what? Blessed. In his deed. Friends, God's word is a magic mirror that he uses to see whether or not you and I are serious about our new position and our new title as ambassadors for him. God's word is also the magic mirror he uses to open our eyes so that we might see ourselves just like he sees us. Mirror, mirror on the wall. Mirror, mirror on the wall, let me ask, what is it that you see when you look into the perfect law of liberty, as James says? As we look into the perfect law of liberty, do you continue therein or do you turn away, forgetting what manner of man you are, and go on living life as if it really doesn't matter? It's a pretty important question. Do you see yourself as God sees you? Do you see your sin as God sees sin? Do you see this world in need of a Savior the way God sees it? I was thinking about the prodigal son. Because just like the prodigal son, you remember, this is the prodigal son. He's away from the father. He repents. He came to himself. He repented and he returned to the embrace of his father's love. He returns to the embrace of his father's protection. He returns not only to the embrace of his love and his protection, but he returns to his father's realm of provision. That story, in a nutshell, reminds me that it is never too late no matter how far we have gone, no matter whether we're laying over here in the pig slop pen of sin, the reality is God's Word is still alive. It's still powerful. It's still quick and sharper than a two-edged sword. It still pierces and divides. It's still a discerner of the intents of our heart. And the reality is we're laying bare. We're laying naked before God. And He doesn't need a mirror, but He sees us. And if we're over here and we know that we need to get back To where Jesus is, we can do exactly what the prodigal son did. I love the phrasing. You may not like the King James; you might like another version. But in the King James, I like the phrasing. He came to himself. (laughs) He came to himself. Something called to memory what he was missing. And he got up. Now watch this. He had already taken everything. He wanted his inheritance and he left. You remember the story. And he got up. And he went back. But watch this. He's on the road. You remember the story? He's on the road. And I can't imagine the fear and the trepidation that was going on inside of his heart. What was going on? What will dad say? What will dad do? And the Bible tells us that when the father saw his son way off, In the distance this is the father didn't do this he didn't say I've had enough of that joker stay stay where you were no no that's not what the father did the father when he saw him way off the father takes off as if he's a sprinter in the Olympics and he runs to the Sun And he kisses him on his neck, puts the robe on him, puts the ring, the the seal of the family on him and welcomes him back into his loving embrace. Guys, can I tell you, no matter what you see in the mirror, the father is looking and he says, listen, my word is alive. It's powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. And if you'll just pay attention to it, it's going to do a work in your life. And you can come back because I'm ready to receive you. You can walk with me. You can talk with me. You can have fellowship with me. But the reality is what do we see when we look in the mirror mirror, mirror on the wall what a dangerous question if you're saved today and but you know what you see in the spiritual mirror so to speak is not right biblically. Let's just be honest, guys. For once, look, can we just be honest with God and ourselves? I'm not asking to embarrass you or anything, but would you be honest with yourself today? Would you say, "Man, I'm looking in the spiritual mirror and what I see is not pretty." I'm looking, I'm looking in that glass, that mirror of God's word. And I I don't see a reflection that is bringing Him honor or a reflection that's bringing Him glory. And I know that something's wrong. Something has to change. I'm going to give you a strategy. You can give me a strategy? No, but God can. This is His strategy. I wrote it down so I wouldn't forget it. Number one, recognize your situation. Recognize your situation. Mirror, mirror on the wall. What needs to be changed? Number two... Just like that prodigal son, he came to himself. Don't be afraid of the word repent. It's not not a dirty word. He came to himself. He repented of himself and he turned back. He said, no, this is not right. What I'm doing is not right. And he turned back and he came back home to the father. And so listen, maybe you need to recognize your situation and repent. And here's what happens. When you do that, The Word of God and the Spirit of God will renew you. It will revive you, so to speak. We've been talking about revival on Wednesday nights. It will renew you in the spirit of your mind and your heart to get back into God's Word, to get back on track, so to speak, to understand that this is a powerful weapon in your defense system against the wiles and the methods of the devil. It's a powerful tool in your defense system against sin and sadness. Maybe you're here and you say, I said those words quietly to myself, mirror, mirror on the wall, and pastor, I don't want to say anything because I don't want to draw attention to myself, but if I'm being totally honest, I'm not even sure I'm saved. I'm not even sure I have a relationship with Jesus. God's got a strategy for you as well. (laughs) His strategy is very similar to the strategy I just gave to believers, except for it's shorter. The strategy for you is recognize your situation. If you you know that you're not saved, you recognize your situation and you believe that Jesus is God's Son and that He died on the cross for your sins, that He was buried in a borrowed tomb, and that He rose again victoriously three days later, conquering death, conquering death, hell, and the grave, so that you wouldn't have to go to an awful, horrific place called hell. If you understand that that is your situation today and you recognize that situation, the second step is really easy repent and receive. See, because here's the deal. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He's offering you a gift. But the reality is you and I, same for me, you have to actually receive that gift. It's not a matter of just looking at it and saying, well, that's a nice gift. Thank you so much. That's nice. You have to personally receive that gift And so, if you're looking in the mirror and you say, you know what, I'm not really even sure I'm saved, do yourself a favor. Because what I know after doing a service yesterday for a 25 year old boy, life is a vapor. It appears for a little while and then it vanishes away. And some of our vapors vanish a little sooner than others. Some of y'all are hot winded, you got a lot of vapor. Seriously, though, it doesn't matter whether you're 25 or 85. If you're not saved, recognize, repent, and receive. Mirror, mirror on the wall, what is it saying to you today? Father, we thank you for your love. God, we thank you for your word and this reminder that you have given us to take a spiritual look into the mirror of your word that reveals What's going on in our life? What's going on in our walk? God, are we walking with Jesus today? Do we know Jesus? Lord, whatever the need is today, I pray, I pray that people will be honest with themselves. They will buy up the opportunity now. Lord, as the song says, we do need you. We need you every hour. So Lord, I pray that people will respond as we sing a song of invitation, Lord. If If there's a need in the room, Lord, the altar is open that we can come and we can praise You. We can come and we can pray to You. Lord, we can come and we can lay our petitions, our requests before Your throne and we can do it boldly as Your Word says. Lord, I pray that each and every one of us that our desire would be to bring You honor and glory as ambassadors. Lord, I pray that the mirror of Your Word has revealed the true picture of who we are today. Lord, I pray that the strategy has been understood of recognizing where we are, whether we're saved or not. Understanding that we need to turn and come back to You. If we're saved and we're not walking with You, we're walking according to the course of this world, then Lord, there's something wrong. So Lord, I pray that you'll have your will in your way during this short time of invitation and we'll give you the praise for it all. For it's in the precious name of Jesus we pray and for his sake, amen.